Good morning, everyone. Great to be uh, connecting with you all this morning. And uh, I, my prayer and my hope this morning is that uh, God will speak to us, that we will listen, that we will be edified, enriched, and uh, that our lives will align with Him. So the thing that has been pressing on my heart, and God has been uh, speaking this, I think, uh, to all of us in different ways, and this is really a reminder, it's nothing new, um, is a theme that comes from God's heart and also deals with man's heart. And it is an area that all of us are um, so well acquainted with exercising in our lives. And I'm calling it the will um, because that is essentially what um, the function is uh, from the heart. So <clears throat> what does God's word say about the will? Um, the will is something that is really seated uh, well within us. And as Proverbs 16, 9 uh, God's word says, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Uh, heart is really involved in devising the ways that we commit our hands to work, our minds to think, plan, deliberate, even before we do anything. So the, the will is really seated far before human action. And the will is something that precedes um, many times even what we think as deliberation or decision-making um, or even um, a thought about a matter. And I want to dive a little deeper into this to understand the will and uh, what God's word speaks on the will and uh, some of its eternal implications. So the will as a word um, it's really seated within many different words, as many of these compound uh, words do in, in their meaning. Um, the references to the will are everything from wishing, desiring, having a mind for determination, purpose, uh, taking joy, delighting, um, requesting, and uh, even taking pleasure. So all these things constitute um, the action of the will. And God's word starts very interestingly with God's deliberation. And God literally wills the uh, entire creation, the creation of uh, heaven, earth, and all of it with his will, uh, he speaks. So you can find the fulfillment of his will when he uh, stands back and in Genesis 1, 31, he says, um, it was very good. God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. And that is really a statement of accomplishment that we, we so often ascribe to anybody doing a particular piece of work. And it shows that good is something that he intended and willed. Um, and very interestingly, man's will 
even in the early days leans to something else and if you see the whole <clears throat> passage of the fall in genesis 3 um the woman finds pleasure in something else uh, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil it says uh, that the tree was good for food the woman saw that the tree was good for food so she's finding good in something that is not from god and that was pleasant to the eyes again this is pleasing the eyes for her and the a tree to be desired to make one wise again very much uh, encompassing the things that we we take a decision to it's pleasing it is to be desired it is good and all of these are driving uh, the human will towards something else and interestingly um, as god accomplishes creation he says uh, it was very good interestingly as man accomplishes the fall it constitutes a fall into evil so it was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil and evil did not have a place um, or a seat in the human heart or the human psyche very interestingly man chooses to add uh, this component of evil and it's a very clear will of man that accomplishes uh, this fall so i want to contrast this god's will did not have evil man's will just added evil uh, and the knowledge of good and evil was really that um, the seeking after that brought evil in and then again there is god's will at work uh, in the curse uh, god is still protecting man and man interestingly is given um to a very interesting state where his relationship to the earth changes initially uh, he was to uh, dress and keep the garden of eden in genesis 2:15 but in the curse after this um interesting turn that happens at eden the curse has the ground that is cursed and sorrow that comes uh for all the days of his life that is the curse that man is given and says cursed is the ground for thy sake in genesis 3:17 and sorrow shall thou eat of it all the days of thy life uh and there are other things that come up thorns and thistles and uh, eating the herb of the field so th- there is a lot that we take for granted um in the fallen state of the earth uh and the fallen state of creation today really um that is not part of god's original will or plan but it is a mix of man's fall and still god's will to save man 
So what is his will to save man and uh, what did God do there? You can see clues of that in Genesis 3.15 where God puts an enmity between uh, the serpent and the woman. Uh, he says, uh, thy seed and her seed, um, there'll be an enmity. It shall bruise thy head, thou shall bruise his heel. Um, very, very interesting uh, correlation. If you want to dive deeper into this um, and correlate with Jesus's work um, on the cross uh, and Moses holding up the um, brass serpent and even Jesus' revelation in uh, the book of Revelation, how he is shown to have uh, feet of brass. Uh, th there are a lot of, I think, deeper studies on this. But it shows God's will constantly now to save man. Initially, God's will was good. Uh, man chose good and the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, he added the component of evil there uh, with or without partially his own uh, realization. I think the serpent is partly there bringing that in as temptation. But now God is uh, fully committed in his will to save man. And you can see that even through the time of the flood, um, I, I found a very interesting um, uh, correlation here when Noah is brought uh, into this world uh, in Genesis 5.29. His father calls him Noah, saying, This same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands, because the ground which the Lord hath cursed. So there's a very strong realization back to the fall and back to the curse. And they're hoping for God's salvation, his comfort for man, uh, even through Noah. I think um, this has very strong correlations also uh, with the times of the end where Jesus says it will be as in the times of Noah and uh, God also promises rest uh, finally when he accomplishes his work. So let's, let's see what else is happening between the human will and uh, God's will. So says our consequences as a result of this decision that man took. Um, many things that are happening today that are part of human history, that are part of our lives, we take it for granted as, you know, this is how it's meant to be. But um, if we see scripture, it is not always the way it is going to be. For example, labor itself. So today um, we have labor and sorrow. If you read uh, Psalm 90, uh, verse 10, it talks about the days of our years, three score uh, years and 10, which is 70 years. And if by strength, they be four score years. Yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. And man's life is also filled um, with uh, good of all our labor. So there is a uh, 
a reward for labor that is given. And you find this in Ecclesiastes 3.13. Um, that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. Uh, even in this cursed state, there is a gift and we all enjoy that. There is a good for the labor that happens, uh, that we should uh, enjoy it. And that itself is said as the gift of God. Um, but there is also warnings about this because labor is not ultimately what we are made for uh, in God's grander plan. Um, it's not laboring for ourselves and laboring for our own. And we see this in Proverbs 23, 4. God's word says, labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. So there is a very particular uh, time for labor in all our lives and purpose that is given here. Uh, time span is given for our lives, as we saw earlier. And um, there is sorrow and labor, but there is also good, um, which is that we should enjoy what comes out of that, the good of all our labor, and that is a gift of God. Uh, but the warning here is that it is not for the accomplishment of our own riches, labor not to be rich. And um, this also correlates with uh, other passages of scripture where God talks about uh, the fact that it is he who gives wealth and riches. So it is not our labor. Um, God also has a very interesting perspective on humans who um, labor for their own pleasure. If you see... Uh, and delight in their own things. So if you see uh, Isaiah 58, uh, describes uh, people who keep God's holy day and the Sabbath, and they call the Sabbath the delight, it says, and that they honor him. And there are interesting words here being used. And then it says, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. So a lot to unpack here, but I just want to focus on a few things here. Um, because the, the spirit of this world and the temptations of this world, they say that we labor for our own pleasure. This is something the world teaches us a lot. You know, uh, finding pleasure in our own uh, things in our own ways, in our own words, in our own labors. But here, um, God's word is very specific about um, God looking to and honoring those who are not finding their own pleasure, which means we uh, find pleasure and delight, even as in Psalm 119. God is contrasting that with finding pleasure and delight in his word and uh, in our relationship with him. Another big contrast from the way the world is today. Um, and then in the fulfillment in Jesus, you also see that Jesus is calling out, uh, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you a rest. Uh, he is really calling out um, to all of us, because we are all under this curse, 
he knows what it takes to go through this life and he is uh, very clearly showing us that in him we have rest and uh, this also correlates with jesus being the lord of the sabbath because uh, he is not uh, under the sabbath because he is the sabbath itself and he is there uh, humanity as rest and you can see that in the way he confronted uh, the resistance when he healed on the sabbath um, another thing is we don't also labor for what we uh, get out of it and the temporary satisfaction so um, i think jesus very beautifully summarizes this whole uh, lesson of what we should labor for in contrasting the temporal versus the eternal john 627 uh, jesus says labor not for the meat which perisheth but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life which the son of man shall give unto you for him hath god the father sealed and what is this meat that endureth unto it everlasting life and jesus is contrasting this versus the meat which perisheth and naturally we all labor and we um eat from our labor um but the purpose of labor is highlighted here when jesus says labor not for the meat which perisheth so we are not even laboring then for or to bring in these temporary uh, benefits so good which is good which god provides but uh, jesus very interestingly distinguishes the purpose of labor uh, and gives a better purpose here uh, in his fulfillment of salvation that we can labor for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life and jesus uses the same uh, tone when he says uh, my meat is to do the will of the father and i think this is a beautiful summation of how jesus is redeeming uh labor itself and the human will and purpose uh unto god we will go slightly uh deeper into it and before that i just want to quickly talk about uh some of the warnings that jesus gives in those who do their own will versus those who do the father's will and i want to highlight that um jesus when he talks about he he said he is the way uh the truth and the life we enter uh through him right we all know that um but he also gives a very interesting warning about um some of the character of this way it's like it's like looking at a path and saying hey this path is easy or this path is something i can do it's like um when you go trekking or hiking you look at a certain pathway and you you have an estimate of uh how easy or difficult this is um jesus gives uh, that kind of an imagery when he says uh in luke 1324 strive to enter in at the straight gate uh for many i say unto you will seek to enter in and shall not be able 
So this is a very clear warning on um, what we think is, oh, this is something that, you know, is anybody's game. It is uh, salvation, it is open for all, yes. Um, but there is a warning about um, how we enter. And I think in Matthew 7, 21, Jesus goes into very clear specifics. Um, and this, this gets repeated in the parable of the sheep and the goats as well. So I'm just going to read from Matthew 7, 21 to 23. And this is the core of today's message and, and really the crux of what we're trying to learn. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. It's a very uh, chilling statement that uh, is at the end of this. He says, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And he also says, I never knew you. And it, the, this is to people who have done very impressive things. They've done many wonderful works. They've cast out uh, devils. They've prophesied in his name. But what is the problem here? What, is, what does God have against them? It says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now, this is a very, very, uh, I think, probably much overlooked criteria in, in today's um, church age and church culture. Um, it is a very serious thing to God that we do the Father's will and not our own will. Um, in our own will, we might impress people. We might be, um, we might really uh, impress ourselves also. We might accomplish great things um, in our lives. But we really need to ask the question, is this the will of the Father? It is the will of, is it the will of God? And it is only that that is going to please him. And I just want to quickly also draw reference from Jesus uh, in what he went about doing in his life. He said, my meat is to do the will of the Father. And then he also, in the Garden of Gethsemane, has a reckoning moment with that will. He says, Father, if thou be willing, and for reference, this is Luke 22, 42 onwards, um, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And then we all know he goes on to commit to uh, his entire life's mission, which is to the cross and then the resurrection. And I think um, all of us will have this moment of reckoning uh, with the will, whether it is my will or whether it is God's will. 
And it is uh, extremely important to be honest within ourselves and be honest to God and to draw uh, strength from him and accomplish his will ultimately in our life. And it, it is only that that is going to count. So um, this is reflected everywhere. This is in the Lord's prayer. It says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done uh, in earth as it is in heaven. And uh, I think there are, there are many, many passages. I would urge you to study more on this. Um, but I also find comfort in this, um, where Jesus in John 14, 23, he says, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So um, my real wish for all of us here is that we will do the will of our father in heaven and that uh, he will uh, find his abode with us. And what more can a life ask uh, that we are accounted uh, to be in the house of God? And God's word also says, the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. This is 1 John 2, 7. The world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. This is my wish and prayer for all of us um, and uh, that we will seek his will to be done in our lives and that we will enjoy his presence as he abides with us. Anna, can, you, can you pray and close it? Yes. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your word. It abides forever that your word speaks to us and that your word will outlast heaven and earth, Lord. That you've given us the privilege to know your word and also to be found in your word. Pray that you will reveal to each one of our hearts your will, your purpose, what you want accomplished in each life here that only that will be sung in heaven's glory and spoken aloud. That when we stand before you, Lord, we will not be ashamed because we have done and accomplished your will, that you have found us faithful, Lord. That you will be pleased with our lives. So we commit every day of our lives, Lord, to your will, that your will be done in each one of us every day, even to the day we meet you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen.